Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Okay, so as you guys know, we've been in the series called After God's Heart, right? And it's been a series on the life of who? David. All right, good. You guys have been listening the last few weeks, apparently. Uh, Okay, so today we're going to look at another episode in the life of David. And uh, we're going to look at another glimpse of what his heart was like and who he, what he was like. Sorry for the boominess. We're going get to that, get that sorted, I think. Okay. Um, you guys can turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. I want you to think about, I want to ask a question. How do you define Greatness. Think about that for a second. How do you define greatness? And when I say the word great or greatness, who do you think of? Just think about that for a second. Jamie and I were gone for the past uh, two weeks. One week we spent on vacation. The, The first week we spent at a camp where I used to work Every summer, for seven summers, I was a camp counselor, a program director, things like that at this camp. And I had some conversations that week while I was there with some of the the campers about greatness. And how does the world define greatness versus how does God define it? And how does God's kingdom define greatness? I don't know who you guys thought of and what kind of people came to mind when I said the word great. But perhaps you thought of famous people, perhaps you thought of of uh, pioneers, inventors, uh, world leaders, things like that. And there's, re- there's good reason why we think those people are great. But I want to ask you, just start today by thinking about that. How does the God and his kingdom define greatness? And what makes someone great? Okay? So that's just a thought for now. I'm not going to go uh, answer that question, try to answer it for you. I'm going to let our story today answer that. Um, so here's some context. The last few weeks we've been um, looking at uh, some stories of the life of David. Just, just to catch us up for any of you who might have missed. Uh, David is the one who's been anointed to be the next king in Israel, right? And David has won great victories. And he's the object of God's favor now. Also the object of Saul's jealousy. And last week Christian was talking about the, the pursuit, you know, Saul... Uh, chasing after David in the wilderness and all that kind of stuff. So Saul is the current king, and he, he is ruling and reigning over the kingdom of Israel. But David is promised to be the king. There's a promised new regime that hasn't yet come in fullness. And so this is the setting that, that our story today comes in, that Saul is still pursuing David to kill him. And this is this has quite possibly been going on for over 10 years at this point. Commentators try to do the math and figure out how long it is, but it's likely around 10 years that this pursuit has been going on. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you could use some help? You're like, uh, a little help, right? At my camp uh, two weeks ago, I was in a situation like this. I stumbled across, I walked by the gymnasium one evening and the, the campers were playing a dodgeball game against the counselors. And there was about 70 12 to 14-year-old boys on one end of the gymnasium. And on the other end, there was about 25 staff guys. 
And this, there was a battle going on, a dodgeball war. I was so pleased to stumble across this because I poked my head in, saw what was going on, and had to join it. So I get in the middle of this thing, this dodgeball war going on, and 70 against 25 is a little bit lopsided, right? So there were points in the game where lots of people would be out and on the sideline. And what would happen is if you could make a basket and the other basket on the other end of the gym, you could get all of your team back in, right? And so it would get down to like five guys versus 40 or something like that. And the five, we would be trying to make a basket, trying to get some help. (laughs) I need a little help, you know? Or if you catch a ball, you get someone back in. And I remember at one moment, we were just so outnumbered and just like hanging on there. And it would have been great to be able to make a basket. (laughs) But it's really hard (laughs) to make a basket at the other end of a gym when people are throwing dodgeballs at you. So anyways, uh, we we played, it was, it was, it was an incredible dodgeball game. It's going down in history as one of my favorites ever. And uh, I've never seen that many people on one end of a gymnasium, 70 kids. And it's not a full-size gym. It's like one of those three-quarter size ones. And it was about four or five rows deep of kids. So the best part was when everyone is in there and you just whip a ball in there and it's just who's going to get it, right? Who's going to get it? And you get somebody. So anyways, it was a situation where there are times where we were like, we could really use some help right now, right? This is perhaps how David felt a lot when he was in the wilderness, when he was on the run from Saul. And we find in our story today that he does indeed have some help. He has some mighty men with him. And we're going to look at David and his mighty men today in 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to read verses 8 through uh, 17. And these are three very short stories, okay? So short story number one. You ready? You ready? Okay. Short story number one, verses 8 through 10. Okay. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Bashhebeth. Sorry, a Tecmonimite was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. And next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, son of Ahohi. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Story number one. Story number two, verse 11 and 12. Next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. Okay, story number three. Verse 13. And three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, where a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. 
Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew out water of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. These are just three short stories of, of David's mighty men. There are more stories. You guys can go and read that on your own. I encourage you to do that. Uh, 2 Samuel 22 and 23 and 1 Chronicles 11 all talk about these guys, right? So imagine what I mentioned earlier, being in a situation where you need some support. And imagine having some people like this. Put yourself in David's shoes for a minute. Imagine being David. What would you think about these guys? These type of supporters? Pretty good, right? Pretty nice to have guys like that around. And actually, they were so devoted to David that that third story, what did they do? They actually risked their lives to get David a drink from the well of Bethlehem Uh, that was perhaps just on a whim, uh, just a desire that David had. There's some kind of devotion here, right, that we see from these men to David. So if you're David, imagine being him. How would you view these men? They would be your your best supporters, your your companions. Um, There's a picture that uh, some artist uh, drew of this scene when these three guys bring the water back. I thought we'd put that up there. I have no idea what it actually looked like, but... Uh, this is when they're bringing the water back to David, right? Um, imagine being one of these men for a second, one of David's men. How would you view David? Think about David for a second, what we've learned already. He's been anointed to be king. He was a worshiper. This great victory over Goliath. These guys have certainly have heard about that. And then this pursuit by Saul. These are the weeks we've looked at so far. Imagine being these men and what you know about David, what you would think of him, and how that would impact your devotion to him. And I, I want to suggest today that perhaps when we read about the mighty men, I, I'm, you know, I'm assuming some of you guys have heard about them before, I think it's easy for us to look at them something like this image, where it's super friends, right? They're some kind of superheroes with superpowers doing super things, Right? And it's, it's very easy to look at these stories of these people and to think that, wow, man, oh, yeah. They must have been superhero, you know, kind of a mentality. We're going to see in a little while where these guys came from. And I want to suggest that they don't quite look like this, but they look a little bit more like this. Who knows what that is? <laughs> Mighty Ducks, yes. <laughs> Flying bee, yes. So, I want you to think of the mighty men a bit more like the mighty ducks. Okay? Convenient. They both have the word mighty, right? That's nice. Um, a bit more like the mighty ducks. We're going to see in a little while why we should see it this way. But I want to put that image in your head of, of this ragtag group of people that have now rallied together around a common goal, a common purpose. Okay? Sound good? So these guys undeniably did amazing things. But what did those verses say? The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The Lord worked a great victory. 
right? These were ordinary people empowered by the Lord to do great things. So these guys, they, they did win great victories. They did take bold stances for David's interests. That second story, it's kind of crazy. A plot of lentils. <laughs> Which of you would stand for lentils? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> no? Okay. I'm sure they're yummy. <laughs> so this is the kind of people that David, David had around him. And, and we want to think, where did they come from? And how did they get this way to be in such strong support of David? Um, I want to suggest today that, that these mighty men were mighty because of their love for the promised king. Mighty men love the king. Okay? That's what I want you to remember today. Mighty men love the king. Before we, we're going to read a next little story in just a second, but I want to also do one more little exercise with a couple, the concept of a mission statement. How many of you guys have heard and read mission statements? Does anybody know the mission statement from your company? You do? Okay. I've got a few mission statements from companies. I'm going to put them on the screen. I want you guys to figure out uh, what company it is for the mission statement. Okay, let's read the first one. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, in one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks. Yes. How noble they are. <laughs> right? What a great mission statement. How many of you feel inspired and nurtured when you drink your $5 latte? Anybody? <laughs> no. No, we, like, we go to Starbucks too. So. Um, okay, another one. Next one. To continually provide our members with quality goods and services at the lowest possible prices. Costco, I heard it. Costco. Members was the clue, I think, there. Costco. All right. Pretty good, pretty good. Okay, I'm going to put another one up. Transforming cities by proclaiming and releasing the love of Jesus. You guys are getting excited. All right. Yours truly, Church in the City. All right. How many of you guys knew that? Okay, so this idea of mission is very important, right? Because it's going to determine where we're going, okay? Something that was going on in this story is that these men had a vision for going somewhere. And we believe as a church that we want to give a vision, we're going somewhere, and join us and be a part of this. And I think mission statements are important because these companies, you know, as they look back, hey, what are we all about? What are we doing? What are we trying to do here? And I think it's helpful for us to remember, right? To revisit that and to say, what is our mission statement? Who would like to know what the mission statement of the mighty men was? Anybody? Wouldn't you like to know? Okay, let's look at First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 10. It's going to be up on the screen. I'll read it for you. Verse 10. Now these are the chiefs of David's mighty men. And just so you know, this, this, this passage in 1 Chronicles, it overlaps a lot of that Samuel one. It's a lot of the same stories. So I'm not going to read all the stories again. But these are the chiefs of David's mighty men who gave him strong support in his kingdom together with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Okay, so I want to submit to you today that the mission statement of the mighty men. The thing that there was, their main ambition that they wanted to do was to make David king. 
Okay, think about this for a second. This is a scenario where David is public enemy number one. <laughs> He's being pursued by Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. He doesn't want to lose his kingdom. He has the current reigning kingdom, but there's this new promised kingdom. And these guys, they decide, rather than to serve Saul's kingdom, they're going to join and serve David's. And align themselves with this rebel traitor, <laughs> the guy with the target on his chest, right? Okay, this is, this is kind of crazy, right? It's a little bit crazy. The guy hiding in the caves, running, and you're going to go join him? Okay, think about that for a second and what that means. This makes these guys traitors. This is like, this is like joining William Wallace in the middle of Braveheart, okay? You're like this traitor that England is trying to squash, <laughs> and you align with him. But again, what was their motivation? They're motivated with a vision, with a mission to make David king. A belief and a hope for a kingdom that would be greater. A kingdom that would be better. A kingdom that would be the fullness of what God had promised for them. Right? Okay, so let's look, let's look uh, a little more at where do these guys come from. We're going backwards a little bit because I think this is, it's cool to look at this way. We see these great feats they've done. Um, we see their mission of what they're trying to do. And now I want to ask the question, where do these people come from? Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 22. Remember that Mighty Ducks picture that I'm trying to convince you of? Remember that right now as I read this. So this is earlier in the story. This is, this is a little bit earlier before these mighty feats, before they were even called the mighty men. And I, w- I just want to add too, I don't, I don't think these guys were called mighty men in their day. You know, maybe they regarded each other in that way. But do you think Saul's kingdom called the mighty men? Do you, th- you know, like they, they weren't publicly recognized as so yet, right? Okay, I just want to make that clear too. So um, for, uh, 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So this is early on when he, when he had first escaped from Paul and gone to the cave. When his brothers and all his house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Okay, so what kind of people do we have here gathering around David? We've got some distressed people. We've got some debtors. We've got some people discontent in their souls. (laughs) How many of you guys would, uh, if you were leading something, your company would hire these kinds of people? (laughs) Anybody? Is this the kind of people, when you're looking at their resume, you're looking for these types of attributes? <laughs> no? I don't think so. There's something amazing that happens here. This, this gathering and rallying of these down-and-out, uh, perhaps mighty duck-looking people <laughs> with limited skills, limited resources, and some discontent. But what happens there's some, something happens, and we don't know the whole story. We don't know the whole transformation. But there's this, there is this transformation in their lives in becoming what were then regarded as mighty men. 
people who have accomplished great things for David's kingdom. There's an amazing thing about David here, and I want to take a second just to think about David's heart. And why would these type of people want to follow someone like David? From, what, from the stories we've seen already and the stories we've just read, I think it's safe to say that some, kind of, some of the characteristics of David's heart were that he was, he was a man of faith, a man of vision, a man of, of mission, right? He was able to lead others in action towards God's promises. An ability to lead others in action towards God's promises. This had been promised, and he was going to take God's word and follow it, right? And, and bring others along with him. This is, the, this is a, a sign of a great leader. Someone who can give mission and vision and rally people around it. And I want you to think about David's men for a second. What kind of words characterize them? I think uh, action is one. If, I find it interesting that in, the, in these stories we, we're hearing about action. We're not just hearing about desires or thoughts that these men had, you know. It's not just conceptual things. It's actual action, actual risk-taking, actually stepping out. Um, Courage. When you look up the word word that's used for mighty men in the Bible, and and you look it up, it does mean strong. It does mean mighty. But it means valiant. It means courageous. And it's that idea of, of stepping out and risk-taking kind of strength. It's not just a, a physical, brute kind of strength, but it's a, a courageous heart kind of strength. And, and, and surely there was some brute strength, right? There's these accounts of these battles and stuff. Like, certainly there was some of that. But God was bringing the victory, and the, they were great in heart first, all right? Great in heart first, and developed perhaps those other skills and things like that. I want to submit to you today that the, the crucial factor of being used of God is, is devotion to him and to his kingdom. Let's talk a little bit about what does this mean to us. So, you know, we can look at these stories and they can sound great and we can say, yay, mighty men, you guys did a great job. No, but, but I want to look at this for a few minutes now and talk about what does this mean to us and what kind of people is God wanting us to be? C.S. Lewis, in the book Mere Christianity, he suggests this idea. He says, uh, we often think that God wants a people who are obedient to a set of rules, whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. Think about that for a second. God's not just wanting a, a, a people who are obedient to a set of rules, but he wants people of a particular sort a, a certain type of character, a certain type of heart, where it's not just about checking the boxes and, yeah, okay, obeying, doing this. No, it's a certain kind of heart, a certain kind of nature within that then dictates how you live. I believe that's the kind of heart that God wants to challenge us with today, that God wants to challenge you with today. Um, so a couple points that will be up on the screen. Uh, thinking about what this means to us, Firstly, that God, he doesn't have uh, any prerequisites, especially not the ones that we have for people, who is, uh, for who is uh, um, worthy to be used or who is great, right? Think about this. He welcomes the distressed, the debtor, the discontented, just the same as David did. We, this is exactly what we see in the New Testament. God, God welcoming people in, <laughs> not because of what they'd done already, this is, the, this is the story of grace. This is the story of 
of seeing in others uh, something that they don't even see in themselves, but, but, but graciously welcome, welcoming them in, saying, welcome home. I have a mission for you now. <laughs> you can be a part of this. You can be a part of this great mission with which uh, I am, I am, I am acting. Okay, so, so God doesn't use the same prerequisites we do. He, he's not looking at resumes like we do for these certain kind of accomplishments, achievements first. He's welcoming the distress. Those who, those who know they're bankrupt, that they don't really have anything to offer in the natural, right? But, but our hearts. We can offer our hearts and our devotion. Okay, like I said earlier, the crucial factor in being used of God today is devotion to him and his kingdom above all else. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So think about this. In David's time, there was a promised kingdom that had not yet been realized. And these people chose to align themselves with that kingdom. We're going to make David king because he's not yet. And this has been promised by God. I think we have a similar situation in which we live today, right? The kingdom of this world, we don't, we don't, we don't always see God's hand in it, right? But there's a promised kingdom that God says he wants us to participate in. He wants us to be involved in the mission of. To be uh, bringing to reality the kingdom that is not yet realized, right? Just the same as these guys did. And this is part of our calling today. To, to advance the kingdom that is not yet realized. The kingdom of Jesus. So until God's kingdom comes in fullness, we will always have this question. Which kingdom will we put first? Which kingdom are we seeking first? With our time, with our energy, with our devotion, which kingdom are we putting first? It will look crazy. (laughs) It will look foolish to put God's kingdom first here and now in our world. How many of you guys agree with that? (laughs) I've ever experienced that. It will look foolish. It will look crazy. Quite like aligning yourself with with David at at times in, in his day during Saul. It will look crazy. I mean, we mentioned it earlier and we prayed about it, but the situation is going on right now in other nations in our world. In some of these places, it looks crazy to follow Christ. It looks foolish right now to follow Christ. And we do need to continue in prayer for our brothers and sisters. But think about this. This is, this is a reality in a very different way for some people right now in our world. We don't live in a nation that's having those same challenges, but we do have different ones, right? We have our own challenges. We have our own challenges of what does God's kingdom look like in my life, in my workplace, in my family? And how can I put that first? How can I put his kingdom first in this situation? That's the question I want to ask you today. Which kingdom will you put first? And one final thought about what this means to us today is just this thing of love being an active thing. Okay? Remember, these stories of these mighty men, I I wish we knew more about it. I wish there was more... Uh, you know, more depth to the stories. But what we do know is a lot of action that was taken. And you can only assume that this action came out of some kind of a love, some kind of a devotion, a devotion to David, a devotion to his kingdom. 
People don't act in these kinds of ways without some kind of purpose behind it. And, and surely the Bible could have said of these men, it could have said, these men were so mighty, and they were really, really devoted to David. And they really wanted him to be king someday. The end. Right? That's how it could have said it, right? But why do we get these stories? <laughs> because it's, it's showing something of action. It's, it's, you don't need to say that other stuff when you see the action that's happening, right? We can know that, yes, they wanted David to be king. Yes, they loved him and wanted to serve him in a deep way. And their actions showed it, right? I think God's calling us to be a people of action. A people who will flex our love muscles, right? Who will, who will say, my love is for God and for his kingdom. So what does that mean to me today and how I live? And how can I show God's love to other people? I believe God wants to advance his kingdom today through love, through sacrifice, through service, through living like Christ. Think of the picture of Christ and how he ushered in the kingdom of God. He went to the cross. <laughs> he went and died. He went and served. He went and loved others. And the great power of the kingdom, the great muscle that was flexed, was the muscle of love and service and sacrifice. May we be a people who today are flexing that, that muscle of loving and serving others and serving God's kingdom and saying, this is what's valuable in God's kingdom. This is what it means to be great in God's kingdom. Putting others first, serving others, loving others. The last shall be first in the kingdom, right? Why do you think the person who is last is last? Were they too slow? You know? No, I think they put others before them. They've served others. They've put others first. This is the one who will be great in the kingdom. This is the one who will be first in the kingdom. The least shall be the greatest. The one who has given. The one who has served. So think about this question of which kingdom, right? I asked you that question of greatness earlier. I think when we, if we answer the question of what is great, or what does it mean to be mighty to our world today, it will often be answers that were the results of serving self, right? Someone who has maybe accumulated wealth or power or fame, and it's for their name, right? And that's why they're great. That's why they're, that's why they're famous. It has made their name great. But God's kingdom functions in an opposite way. It functions in a way where it's not about our name. It's about making his name great. It's all about making his name great. And whether we look like nothing <laughs> and whether we look like fools doesn't matter as long as his name is great. And I believe that as we serve and love and put his name first, people will want that kind of kingdom. Kingdom. People will want that kind of loving leader, just like those men wanted to be led by someone like David. Someone who is a worshiper, someone who is, who is serving a purpose bigger than himself. I believe people today want to be a part of a kingdom that is greater than themselves. They want to be serving a mission that is greater than themselves. This is the type of kingdom that we have the joy of presenting to people. Hey, you can be a part of this. You can be a part of this great mission that is beyond us, that is bigger than us. So I want to end with this thought, this statement again. 
that mighty men, in God's eyes, are those who love him, who love the king. And greatness is defined by our devotion to God and putting his kingdom first. That's what will be regarded as great in God's value system. I spoke of that mission statement concept earlier, and I'm going to end with this thought of what is your mission statement? Not for your company, but for you, for yourself, for your family. What is your mission statement? Have you ever thought of one? Have you ever written one? I want to suggest one for you today. <laughs> and you can take it or leave it. But at the end of the day, we will, we will function, we will live according to some kind of mission, what we believe in, what our values are, what do we value, what will we put first. We all have some kind of mission, whether we write it down or not. But I want to suggest today that our mission statement, maybe we can make it this, to make Jesus king. To make Jesus king. I know you can say, oh, isn't Jesus king already? And, you know, yes, he is. He reigns. He is God. He has won the victory. But what I'm meaning is, in this life, here and now, in this world, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, how can you live to make Jesus king? How can you present this great king to others that they could see his love, that they could experience this type of kingdom? How can you make Jesus king in your circles of influence? So in just a second, I'm going to have Christian come up and he's going to wrap things up. But I just wanted to leave you with that thought today. What is your mission statement? And how are you going to choose to live? Knowing that greatness in God's kingdom comes from loving service of the king, Jesus. Is that good? Who's with me? Amen? All right. Christian, come on up. Over to you, buddy. Thanks. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm just always blown away um, when David's probably one of the most studied guys in Scripture, certainly the Old Testament. Um, you study David, you always are getting a glimpse of, of the Father and of the King. And uh, you study his men, though, you get a glimpse of how people are meant to serve a king. And we, we often forget in our service, like, who, who are our examples and how did this work and how to see it well. Israel was always meant to be an example to the nations of how God's government, God's structure, God's family worked. And while it was radically jacked up on so many levels, you see through it when, when people came under um, the covering through obedience and faith to walk into what God had you start to see that this is how life is meant to be. You know, the king is meant to look like this. It's meant, this is the type of heart a, a leader is meant to have. And then this is the type of devotion that, that those who are following the king are meant to have. I, I just got such a sense today that um, we're, we're, we're meant to be stirred again this morning of, of what kind of followers we are. We're all leaders to the rest of the world, and yet we all follow a king. It starts with that servant heart following a king so that the world wants to follow us through those who are completely laid down and in love. So uh, why don't you stand, and I'm just going to pray over us. And uh, I just, I just want to encourage you guys to, to take time to respond this morning. And
whatever way the Lord is stirring you to respond. We will have a team here that would uh, absolutely love to pray for you. Um, so regardless of what you need prayer for this morning, if you just have a physical uh, issue going on with your body or a loved one, please come forward. We'd love to pray for, for, uh, for a miracle this morning. Um, and then just if, if you want to respond and just want someone to, to uh, lock arms with you um, for, for anything going on in life, please. Um, but let's, let's pray and just ask the Lord to, uh, just to give us this, this uh, reality, Lord. Father, I, I thank you that, that we, when we erase every other aspect of who we are in life, it's that, that we are following a king. And that Jesus, you see us as, as your mighty men. I, I just I get chills every time I read. The the beginning of what those men began at, and I'm just going to read that over us this morning again. That that David is is alone and running for his life, but when they hear where he's at, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, gathered to David, and he became became commander over them. And uh, they saw something in him that it was yet to be walked into. And Father, we, we know that through your Son, we have this glorious, perfect King. I pray this morning that those of us that just feel lost and feel... Um, we need to just get back on track where we're going. I pray that you would, you would speak to our spirits, God. Remind us of, of who we're following. We're following that perfect king. Thank you, God, for that reality. Thank you for how you minister through your word. And uh, just stir us with, with a passion to love people. Because we're drawing from that love, that that's the place that we abide in is your perfect love. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. We are closed in terms of the service. Please come forward for for prayer. And if you're visiting, um, stop uh, the back, say hi, hang out, stick around, love some people, and have an amazing, amazing Sunday. Amen.